1: With your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the six man show. Today is September 28th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what
2: is going on, brother? You know, we're doing better than uh, some fan bases right now who I'm not saying any names, but the Miami Heat, baby, they stumbled across the NBA finals last year. That's that's not happening again uh, anytime soon. And then they convinced themselves, Jonathan, that they're landing this big star. It's always a dangerous game to convince yourself, regardless of reports and what the player wants to do. They don't. They didn't owe him to send him to Miami if it didn't make sense, and uh, they talked themselves into it. And then now look at them. shambles completely. It's incredible. I've been having a great day. The the news broke
1: like what what was that like around three o'clock today on Wednesday? Like r- roughly, I might be off by a little bit. It's just been such a a blur since then. And I'm not I'm not usually a fan of like haters, like people that hate on things like just to hate on them. But something about the Miami Heat, I just find it just to be an irresistible thing to hate on this franchise and the way the the amount of arrogance that that organization has had like from the top down over the course of the past couple of years you know they they trade for Jimmy Butler, they make the finals in the bubble in twenty twenty and that fluky run has has made them believe that. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo as their best players is enough to lead them to an NBA championship. And we've seen them now, you know, make it to, you know, the the Eastern, you know, Conference Finals last year, make it to the Finals this year, which again, they did so by literally being one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the entire league over the course of an 82-game regular season in 6 months. And then all of a sudden became the best three point shooting team in the league for about a month and a half. That got them into a finals matchup with the Denver Nuggets, in which they proceeded to get absolutely smoked. And again, just them. I've I've been tweeting this like for the last you know year or so. Like I'm as long as the Heat want to keep believing that they can win a title with Jimmy Butler as their best player and with Bam Adebayo and and these older veterans like Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry and just sort of piecing everything else together and talking themselves into just having a crappy regular season and then having this miraculous you know, run in the, the postseason, like, please keep doing that because I will guarantee that it will not end up in them winning a title. And then for this entire offseason to go by, they lose Max Struess, they lose, lose Gabe Vincent, guys that they absolutely would not have gotten anywhere near the finals without. And they're just sitting back like, it's all good. And they're fans too, by the way. They're fans, they're writers, like people in the media that cover that team. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. We're sitting back, sitting pretty. We're going to end up with Damian Lillard for almost nothing because he was trying to hold the team that he's played for forever, the Portland Trailblazers, literally holding them hostage, saying, I will not play for any other franchise other than the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat, were not able to put together a, a better offer than like Tyler Hero, Nikola Jovich, I know they were trying to hold other guys out of the deal like Duncan Robinson maybe some some picks and thinking that that was going to be enough just because hey the guy only wants to play here so we don't have to we don't have to give you you know the the very best offer that we can and in the end Milwaukee sneaks in at the last freaking moment Miami gets absolutely smoked and now what do they have this offseason to to show for it like they they added what like Thomas Bryant I know they're really high on some of these young guys. Nikola Jovic looks like he's going to be really good. They're high on, you know, Orlando Robinson, you know, um, you know Jaime Jacquez. I I think that's how you pronounce his name. I know there's other guys that they're high on, but like, I don't, I, I cannot think of a team that had such high expectations because the moment Dame requests the trade of Miami, like Miami is one of the favorites in the East. All of a sudden, and to go from that to like. Well, well, now what do they do? Are they going to scramble and try to trade for Drew Holiday? Who knows? But just the way that the entire organization has been acting for years, the way that their fan base acted this entire last three months, this whole process, to see them just get absolutely smoked and humiliated was just, just made my entire day. It was absolutely
2: fantastic. You had a lot of fun today. You had a lot of fun. The, the I Twitter did. Fingers I really were did. we going. You recorded a video as well, put it on Twitter. You were having the time of your life. I really appreciated it. There's nothing better than a a Jonathan Osborne just display of of trolling and pettiness, laughing, pettiness when it comes to the Miami Heat. It's one of my favorite pastimes to watch. Truly,
1: I really appreciate that. And you know, there's going to be people who are like, I can't believe we're spending the first few minutes of this podcast now, the first like five, six minutes or so, talking about the Miami Heat. But the reason that it's so significant is because it directly impacts the Orlando Magic. We're going to talk about, you know, this is going to be the last episode that we record uh, until media day. So we're not going to have an episode come out on Monday. We're going to record an episode Monday and maybe we'll try to get that up Monday night. But like early Tuesday, you know, like right. midnight, 1 a.m. on Tuesday at the absolute latest where, you know, we'll we'll start to talk about media day and all that kind of stuff. But. This is going to be our last episode before that. So this is sort of going to be like our season preview before we get into like preseason kind of, of content and everything like that. We'll go through who's going to be at the top of the East. We'll go through, hey, like where do we realistically seeing the Magic end up in this Eastern Conference? And Damian Lillard not going to the Heat. The Southeastern division is now wide open. I'm going to rattle off a few bets that, I, that I've made in the, the recent months here, and I'm feeling really good about all of them. I don't, I'll, I'll do one more victory lap. you know, the 20 dollars that I turned into 500 with Germany winning the World Cup. But back on July 17th, I put 20 dollars on the magic to win the Southeast division at plus 1,000. I don't know if you can even get those odds right now until like the, the trades have all been finalized. But I'm feeling really good about that bet now. Like when we look at our division, you look at Charlotte, Washington, Miami, Atlanta, like the Magic are going to have a real chance to win the Southeast Division. Over 35 and a half wins. That was a lock the moment that I, I made that bet. I put 200 bucks on that to win 150. And then $40 to win 1400 on the Magic winning group East Sea in the in season tournament. They don't even have to win the entire tournament. They just have to basically beat Toronto, uh, Toronto Brooklyn, Chicago, and Boston. They do that. I mean, anything can happen, obviously. We're, we'll talk about Boston and how good they're going to be. But like this is a, a big deal for the Magic and like they're, I, the, the I, um, playoff odds.
2: I, I looked up, so per Bavada, there have been made available, again, the odds for the Southeast Division. Beautiful. the heat are minus 185 to win the division. The Hawks are plus 215, which I don't really get. We'll get into that later. Um I know what it looks like on paper as far as the Magic versus the Hawks, but I'll get into why I don't necessarily agree. Orlando plus 900, Charlotte Still? plus 4000. Folks, yeah. Charlotte plus 4000. That 4, is good value. And the Wizards plus 20,000. Um so yeah, the Magic you know the the best odds you can get for them are the most favorable odds. Is finishing third, you can you can also do their exact position. So if you want to do a plus nine hundred on the Magic getting first, you can. But if you want to do a plus plus three forty on the Magic getting second, third plus one forty five, fourth plus two seventy fifth. They don't even think it's really going to happen at all. Plus one eighty fifty. I
1: legitimately so, thought you were going to say like plus five hundred for the Magic no. to win the division. Now plus nine hundred. No. That's that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we, but this yeah, is like the I same. Th- these are the same odds makers that have the Magic at thirty five and a half wins. So we really yeah. shouldn't be that surprised. But look, if you've got some extra cheddar land around, the Magic at plus nine hundred to win the Southeast Division right now, it's looking pretty juicy. I yeah, probably would have once... put more money on plus nine hundred than I did on plus one thousand.
2: Yeah, I. As far as the Damian Lillard trade, and like you said, it directly correlates with the Magic, in terms of where Dame goes, all those sort of things. Huge, obviously, that in this instance he doesn't go to Miami, because I truthfully think we're going to be jockeying for a position in the East with Miami this year. Some people might think just because they made the finals, you know, but the way they failed to realize is that Miami was ended up seventh, essentially, to end the season at forty-four wins last year. They they were definitely the, a dark horse, not expected to make the finals because they couldn't shoot the ball from beyond the arc. And like you said, they just happened to put lightning in a bottle and put it together. So, and do what Miami does with lower talent. Let's be honest. They have a, someone, I saw someone say something like, I don't really care they didn't get Dame because they're just going to go to Publix and get a cashier. And he's going to put up 15 points a game in the NBA this year. So, but as funny as it is, it's, it is slightly true. But regular season-wise, they can't really hide. Way too much sample size, 82 games. you got to show up. And that's, I think, last year regular season, that's more who the Miami Heat are. So I think the Magic are going to be jockeying for position with them most of the season, if not ahead of them as well for most of the season, in my opinion. So we will see how it shakes out. But yeah, the Damian Lillard stuff directly correlating. I love that he goes to a team that was already going to be at the top of the East. That's the biggest thing. That's a no-brainer that you should be doesn't happy about doesn't change anything for us. It doesn't change a single thing because I don't plan on the Magic being number one or number two in the East. Maybe in a couple of years. But as of now, Damian, who just turned 33 in July, like you maybe think he's got three good seasons left in him, three you know two excellent seasons, and then maybe we see a little bit of a drop-off from Damian. But the timeline all works out perfectly the magic are coming up slowly while the bucks hopefully will be declining a little bit and all the other contenders in the east as well and we're talking about a guy who and i know you know in
1: recent years you know portland's you know an incentive to compete later on in seasons has, has sort of waned but like dame has not played more than 70 games in in 3 years you know 67 in in 2021 I think it was like the abdomen injury that he was dealing with a lot in the 2021-2022 season. Played 29 games, and then last year played 58 games. You know, the tank had a lot to do with that. But it'll be interesting just to see sort of how he holds up. Now, basically like their core of Giannis, Dame, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, incredibly talented. He won't have to carry nearly as much of a load as he ever has, so that should help him. But when we're talking about Miami, we're talking about a team that like on paper got worse, you know, in losing two of their starters. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, guys who were such big parts of what they did, especially offensively, and they were a a bad offensive team last year, but they won 44 games. Like you and I have have talked a lot like and when you talk to Magic fans, most people think it's incredibly realistic for the Magic to be somewhere between, you know, 40 and and 43 wins. So if the the Heat come down to Earth and they're right around forty, and the Magic are right around forty, like you're right, the Magic are going to be jockeying with the Miami Heat with a lot of these other teams. I think there's a, a potential for things to get pretty crazy, you know, towards the the end of the season. I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more in a little bit here, but when I look at like Brooklyn, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, Toronto, Indiana, and Orlando. Those are all teams that are going to be like really close, like that 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Like it, I, I think it's really going to go back and forth for a lot of the season with those teams. But ultimately, I'm just glad that the Heat didn't get Damian Lillard because you add Damian Lillard to a team with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, you're talking about a real title contender at that point. And now we're not looking at that. That's not going to be the case for Miami. It would have made it obviously tougher for the Magic to you know, get wins, them being in the division, having to play them four times and making our road to the playoffs a little bit tougher. But just especially their smug fans and the media that covers that team that for the last few months have just acted like they were owed Damian Lillard and that they were going to end up with him anyway, even though they had a crappy offer because guess what? That's where he wants to play, and there's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. Well, guess what? The Milwaukee Bucks had something to say about that, and I'm not going to go full Dave Chappelle here because I am a God-loving man, but (laughs) screw them. That's why. (laughs) Cannot stand them, and I I hope we smack them all four times this year. I hope we smack them in their own building. I I do not find anything funnier than what
2: happened today to the Miami Heat. And... Damian Lillard initially wants to go play in Miami. And, and who knows, behind closed doors, what really the conversations were like. Maybe they were, he was saying, like, Miami feels like most realest, realistic. Who knows? But then they said, good news. You can go play with Giannis. And you can go win a title there. And you can go all the way out to the east. And we don't have to deal with you in the west. And Damien said, hey, how you doing? That sounds great. I would love to do yeah. that. And he goes to play with Giannis. He's going to be just fine. I don't feel bad at all. I, I do, as everybody else, been wanting this for Dame to get out of Portland. He's deserved it. I wish it happened sooner. But, and as I'm sure, in retrospect, he probably wishes that too, seeing how this has unfolded. In the rap song, which was hilarious that he put out, like, hours after right obviously this has already been produced in the works he knew he was not going to be there he has this kind of waiting on deck he puts it out and one of the things was like basically his points were i left this place better than what i inherited when i got here and he said he said this he essentially said this was their decision to go a different direction not mine and said something about like you'll never replace me obviously talking about the guys they've brought in in recent years with Scoot Shade and Sharp those guys Anthony Simons nick all these guys they brought in while he was there you're never going to you're not going to replace me and he might be right but we will see but it was a good move for both parties involved i i'm very much on board with both ways that that they went there Blazers needed it they needed to get younger it was time to cut loose they should have done it years ago same for Damian so I'm happy that's over and that we can see Damian maybe get a ring that he does deserve. More than anything,
1: I'm, I'm well, not more than anything, because mostly I'm happy that he didn't end up in Miami. But I'm also just happy that we don't have to hear about it anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, the dude is arguably one of the greatest scorers in the history of the NBA. I don't, you know, best-case scenario, one of those guys is anywhere near what Dame was there. And I do agree to a certain extent, like, you know, happy for him. But if this was four or five years ago when the writing was sort of on the wall that that team was pretty close to their ceiling, you know, like the, the Dame and CJ teams, had he been like, look, I, I want out. People have been like, okay. But it was like the past three or four years, like the loyalty stuff, like, oh, I'm loyal, I'm loyal, I'm loyal. And that now all of a sudden it's like, well, now the team is changing directions. Oh, I'm not loyal anymore then. It's I, think like,
2: he would say they're, yeah, I think he would say they're not loyal. Well, the,
1: just like the That's the thing is said. though, like that was a reality at, at any point in time that the team could just go, hey, you know what, this isn't working, and and we need to to change what we're doing, you know. And I think the writing has been on the wall for the past couple of of seasons there, yeah, and at least. you know the, their management just didn't do a great job with Since managing left. assets and, and and building a team around them. But it's going to be exciting to to watch the Bucks. It's going to be a, a terrifying team offensively for sure. We already weren't really looking forward to playing the Bucks, so I, that, nothing really changes for me in in that regard. I'm not like, oh man, because the Magic aren't expected to be in contention this year or or next year right. either. So, for the right. Magic, everything is about the future. If you're looking around the league and you're like, oh man, the the Warriors got Chris Paul and the Lakers still have LeBron and AD, and oh now look at the Bucks and blah blah blah. Like, let them have their time. The Magic are on the come up. Where and not to make a Hamilton reference here. Oh, boy. But Hamilton, one of my favorite musicals, the great uh, Leslie Odom Jr., he has a song in that that uh, that play called Wait For It. He says, I'm not standing still. I'm lying in wait. The Magic are not standing still. They are lying in wait. They are wait, ready for those guys on this roster to take a jump. Luke cannot believe that I'm tying this into Hamilton, by the way. But I did. It, it turned out and, better uh, than I thought it was going to be, to be honest oh, yeah, with you. Thank but... you very much. I yeah. I appreciate that. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, our time will come, folks. Just got to stay patient a a little bit longer here. Okay, Luke, let's – I know we're going to really get into the nitty-gritty with some of these teams, but let's break this up a little bit. Let's talk about, like, the top of the East, and I Mm -hmm. think when we're talking about the top of the East, we're mostly talking, like, seed, like, one through five. Would we agree on that, or would you say one through four? Yeah, one one through five, good. Speaking Perfect, of actually. one through five, not to not to give the old little toot toot, you know, but I had uh, an, a funny meme brother. the, the, the mm-hmm. Kevin James, you know, little uh, hands that's in the so pocket, funny. you know, meme that that's going around, put the little hat on him and said, hey, you know, you really think the magic can be the five seed in the East? You know, maybe we'll see. We'll talk about that in detail. But, Luke, let's let's start um, top of the, the Eastern Conference, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference this year. Who do you expect that to be?
2: Uh, I've got the Bucks. As of as of today, I don't think that comes as a shock. I've got the Bucks. Who do you have?
1: I would still say the Bucks, and I guess you know we don't have to rehash that whole conversation. But I don't feel like the Celtics are that far behind. Like it's easy to see, like oh wow, Dame and Giannis, like they're they're just going to run away with it. But are they really? Like the the team is still old. The team is still not that deep. The Milwaukee Bucks. The Boston Celtics got better adding Kristaps Porzingis. It's going to take time for both of those teams to gel. I think, but like the 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 Celtics, I think are are probably going to gel a bit quicker. You know, holding on to a bit more continuity. So I do think the Celtics will be the second seed. I don't think that the 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 Bucks are going to run away with the Eastern Conference by any means.
2: Yeah, I. So you said your second seed, right? So you said. You've got the Celtics there at, at two with the addition Do you of not? I think Ooh it's spicy. I think the Sixers are gonna land Drew Holiday. And I think Drew Holiday unlocks a lot there with what they've needed to play alongside guys like Maxie and Joel Embiid. And but that we're I talking think, about moving Harden out. Yes. Hardens right. out. You're bringing Maxie in. I just think that Harden has got to just be a distraction at 24-7. Like There's not a moment where Harden isn't a distraction, and that includes last year, where I'm sure he was a distraction at points in the season, whether it be his attitude or whatever, and they still finished third. I don't think that I'm... I'm not set concretely on the Sixers being two if they get Drew Holiday, but I think it definitely is more of a toss-up for me that the Celtics move into that two spot over the Sixers but obviously if the sixers team is the same as last year i've got the celtic's over them with that addition of christaps but i genuinely think drew holiday is so much more valuable than the casual nba fan wants to give credit for he can come in and elevate your team more than a current day james harden can it's just the play style for me and drew holiday can lock down on defense i i really do i have a lot of stock in drew holiday that's for sure so
1: i would hold off on that like if I think I would still have the Celtics at two over Philadelphia, even if Drew is moved there, and that's still very much in the air. I know you know that people have immediately, as soon as the trade was done, was like, "Well, Miami should just make the same exact offer for Drew Holiday because like the window is closing and and you need to to pounce now." Which, by the way, I hate to keep bringing this back to Miami, but I had so many quote I'm doing air quotes if you're not watching on YouTube quote unquote Magic fans. That were like, oh, well, why are you laughing at the heat? They have way more championships than us. And blah, 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 blah. The magic don't do anything. First of all, go get your LeBron James jersey out of your closet. I know it's in there. Stop hiding. And nobody cares. Okay, I'm allowed to hate on the heat as much as I want. I don't need a a, a rational reason for it. It doesn't exist. I'm, I'm admitting that to you all. So just get over it. But. If he is traded to Philadelphia, talking about Drew, that does change things a bit, and I would definitely probably close the gap of, of what I think you know will be between the, the Celtics and the, the 76ers, and that would probably make it pretty close uh, for the second seed. But right now, I have the, the 76ers uh, finishing third in the Eastern Conference. Four, I, I really think we're going to have the same team here. Who do you have?
2: I have the Cavs. Okay, me too. Perfect.
1: Donovan Mitchell doesn't necessarily want to sign the extension right now. They can kind of cross that bridge when they get there. But another year of Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, a year older, a year wiser. Evan Mobley, year three, probably going to take a leap there. You still got Darius Garland. Um, added uh, Max Strus to that roster as well. You know their offense and, and you know and defense. He's going to pick it up for them on on really both ends. Stupid Heat, let him go. Oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, I've got the Cavs uh, uh, at four, and then again, I think we're gonna probably have the same team at five, and then we can really start to open up this conversation here. But who do you have at finishing fifth in the Eastern Conference?
2: I have the New York Knickerbockers. Makes sense. I mean, um,
1: you know, in in ways of or in in terms of of moves that they've made, um, bringing in. Dante DiVincenzo still gonna have you know Josh Hart, believe they re-signed him. Uh, I think I don't know if they resigned him or if it was an extension, but I know there was the the transaction there. Jalen Brunson, obviously still, you know, Julius Randle. This team is gonna go as far as Isaiah Brunson can carry them. They should really lean into that this uh this season, but I do like the addition of of Dante DiVincenzo as well. Obi Toppin on his way out um our boy Evan Fournier is still there or my boy Evan Fournier depend, depending on how you want to look at that but um people still think there's an opportunity for the Knicks to make a move and Evan Fournier to be included in that so yeah i think we're uh, i think we're pretty much on the same page here in terms of like the top of the eastern conference and i think most people would be on board with you know that being like the top 5 So before we go ahead and move on to really talking about the back half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, we'll talk a little bit about who we think will be sort of in that bottom tier of the East. Uh, But before we do that, we have to give a very special shout out to our wonderful patrons, the folks that help make each and every one of our episodes and really all of our content possible. Uh, You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show if you'd like to join our Patreon. We do have a very special patron uh, patron, uh, for this episode. Kaysen Green uh, joined at our Hall of Fame tier level, and Kaysen took advantage of our deal where you get a pretty hefty discount uh, for just paying for the entire year. Um, So Kaysen went ahead and did that. Paid for the entire year at our Hall of Fame tier level. So really appreciate that, Grace. uh, Kaysen, the Kaysen Green, I'm thinking Grace and Allen. Kind of threw me off there, but and again, really, really appreciate you joining the family here. And you all uh, can join our Patreon for as little as $2 a month, plus some other tiers. Um, our elite tier and those benefits are getting ready to ramp up again. Uh, if you're not familiar already in our elite tier, uh, you get up to 35% off uh, home games for the Orlando Magic during the regular season. So be on the lookout for that. If you like the show and you're thinking of being a patron already and you want to go to a lot of Magic games this year, the elite tier um, is a great way to help support us. And then you also save money on magic games. So it works out for everybody. Again, you can find us at patreon.com/slash the six man show. And another benefit of our Patreon is we shout out our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons every single episode. We'll start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong. Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis Warren, Pierre A, Nostalgia and Eminem, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, drum drum, drummy, drum, 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 Danimal, Duto 15, Bobby Skinner, PB in the mix, Gody93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lugone, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time, Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Rekin, Chahan 177, Bulby the Dawn, Himlo Ben, Himro. RM 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid 714, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kept, Bruv Sal, and our boy, the new patron, Casey Green. A big thanks to all of our patrons. Again, find us at slash the six
0: man show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all You need indeed all right, let's talk about the
1: lower portion of the Eastern Conference playoff picture about where we figure you know the the magic should be able to to finish here, Luke um let's just go right to it let's let's talk about the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Who
2: do you expect to end the year there so First, I want to kind of lay out that I sent it uh, earlier to y'all in our chat. But basically, I went through like the man games lost, which is essentially the combined amount of games that your team, that your players miss in the entirety of the season. Right. So just to kind of recap quickly here, the top two teams with the most games lost over 250 games lost uh, as far as injury and, and players being out was Miami and Orlando. Okay, Miami and Orlando were there. And then the Pacers uh, were basically the rest of these teams that were within the Magic, like within seven games of the Magic, experienced pretty good injury luck last year. The Pacers, the Bulls, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Hawks had the best injury luck of the teams that were within the Magic's, you know, space there. Which so for me, that's going to this is all going to play a huge part in it. How much injury? How many injuries did these teams have? That sort of thing. Now, getting to who I have at six, I have the Orlando Magic at six. I had to do it. I had to do it. I'm a, we obviously are homers unashamedly. But I think when you look at the Heat, uh, I've got them at seven. Okay, so that's the last thing I'll reveal here. But I've got them at seven. They lose, like we said, two key pieces to that team in Struess and Gabe Vincent. And this really, for me, kind of, counteracts the injury luck as well. Like how they had really bad injury luck. They probably will have better because you couldn't have worse than what the Miami heat last year had last year with injury luck. I think that the heat with those losses and with the, uh, injury luck, even with that, I I think this team finds themselves at, at seven at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. So I would really have to agree. Like when we're, we're talking about the magic, Hard for them to have worse injury luck that they had than they had last year. I'm trying to knock on you know whatever wood is around me. You know we're we're now you know one two three four five days away from media day, and unless we have an injury like we did last year to markel fall who you know they announced that he, he broke his toe like literally the the day before or the morning of media day. I don't remember what it was last year now. But barring anything crazy like that happening, the, the Magic should not be getting off to a 5-20 a start like they did last year, mostly due to the fact that they didn't have a healthy point guard on the roster. If we can combine that with guys like Markell and Wendell and Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony being relatively healthy, like I'm talking about you know, playing close to 70 games, and then... The X factor, Jonathan Isaac, if Jonathan Isaac can stay healthy for the entire year, I'm not talking about not missing any games. There's, there's no chance that Jonathan Isaac plays like 70 games. Like if if that were to happen, it would be an actual miracle because of the fact that they're most likely going to continue him. Like he's going to pick up where he left off last March. That's what I would expect. I I would be really surprised if he comes right out of the gate without any kind of minutes restriction because he didn't come off of a minutes restriction last year. I don't expect that we're going to see him playing like back to backs or three games in four nights or five games in seven nights. I don't think we're going to see that. Like they're going to, they go, they're going to be, and they should be very cautious with the way that they ramp him up. Now, once we get into the, the end of the season and we, we have our eyes on playoff seating and everything like that, and we're getting into the playoffs, you hope by that point, you can throw a lot of that stuff out, out the window. But I started to see a little bit of the Jonathan Isaac hype circling the, the magic Twitter sphere the last couple of days. And yes, with the usual you know detractors, like, hey, like let's just wait and see if this kid can get healthy. And to that point, I absolutely agree. But someone made a tweet, and I'm I'm very sorry that I don't remember exactly who it was, because I'm about to quote your tweet and I don't remember who it was. But they basically said like getting a healthy Jonathan Isaac for the bulk of the season is like a major free agent acquisition for this roster. We saw in the eleven games that he played last year, although he was a little bit rusty, the defense, like the the speed, the anticipation is all still there. So when we talk about like 2019 2020 Jonathan Isaac and the fact that he was, you know, two or three top two or three in defensive player of the year at that point when people try to say oh well we don't know what would what would have happened the rest of the season you go back and use your freaking eyes okay the eye test tells you he was one of the best most dominant and special defenders in the entire league during that point I don't care what anybody says You extrapolate that over a 82 game season and the kid would have been first team all defense and would have been a defensive player of the year finalist at the absolute worst. If he can be 90% of that, that's still the best defender on this team by a mile. And that's counting Jalen Suggs being on the roster. Jalen has has shown to be a really like lockdown guy, but just in terms of like overall defensive impact, J.I. was like a, a, a game changer.
2: We've talked about this before, many, 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 many times. We all are aware of the five and 20 start for the magic last year, played a huge part in the injury luck or, you know lack thereof. you finished the season 29 and 28, over 500, and that's with the last three games of the year being very tanky. So even if you give yourself two wins out of those last three games you really could have finished season 31 and 26, which sounds a lot better than 29 and 28. So I don't think it is outlandish to say that the Magic can finish over all of these teams and finish sixth. Will I be surprised if the Miami Heat are able to finish sixth in the East? Absolutely not. Would I be surprised if the Bulls catch fire at some point in the season? It only takes one big stretch and they find them catapult themselves up the standings and kind of hold their head above water for the rest of the year to finish at six. I would not. But I'm going out on a limb in a very Homer take of mine, and I'm aware. But I do think that we have facts to back this up, as you just stated, and as I just talked about the record to end the season, what this team can really do. I've got the magic at, at sixth.
1: And I do think and I, I'm not wishing this upon anybody, but this is just the reality of the nBA the magic are like a catastrophic New York Knicks injury away from being able to get as as high as five you don't make the kind of leap that the magic would would need to make from missing the play in last year to getting the five without injury luck in front of you you know in, in the standings uh, or if just Literally, everything goes right. We've talked about the scenarios. Wendell Carter plays 70-plus games. Markel Fultz plays 70-plus games. Jalen Suggs plays 70-plus games. Cole Anthony plays 70-plus games. Jonathan Isaac plays 60-plus games. Uh, We get huge jumps from Franz Wagner. and and Maybe not huge jumps, but significant jumps from Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro you get all of that and you get some solid like bench play. Like that's what we're talking about. Best case scenario. And that's where we're talking about the magic, you know, getting over like 45 plus wins. Like that's best case scenario. And the Knicks last year were the five C with 47 wins. So when we talk about like, Oh, like that's incredibly unlikely, but that's like the best possible case scenario. If that were to happen.
2: I, I think last year robbed us of a lot of perspective with this team, with the injuries. And again, that is a, obviously that was the biggest part of last season was the injuries, right? And then when you get guys back, you're building continuity. You have to start building it in game 26. Like you start being able to build that continuity when you get guys back in the game and you're learning each other. The magic With the pace to finish the season, we've said this before, but it was right between 44 and 45 wins is the pace if you were to extrapolate that across an 82-game season. Do we not think that this team is better than last year? And obviously, it's a little bigger sample size, but I mean, like, it is just not outlandish for me to think this team can't win 45, 46 games. That's not my prediction, but it's not outlandish. Right. Yeah. Like
1: the thing about what you were talking about earlier is like, sure, like if the magic don't like completely tank away the last couple of games of the season last year, that they finished with 36 wins. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, guess what? If they don't start five and 20, even if they start like 10 and 15, then all of a sudden we're talking about a, a team that w- was going to be pretty close to 40 wins, not tanking away the last few games of the season and just picking up a handful of more wins during that horrendous stretch like the magic legitimately could have been a team close to 40 wins so now when we are looking at that perspective if we do get a lot of these best case scenarios i don't think 40 44 40 you know 43 44 45 wins i don't think that is totally out of the question and when we look at the schedule this upcoming season i I know we we broke it down you know uh a couple of months ago or uh, about a month and a half ago when the schedule came out. If you want to hear like the entire breakdown of that, you can, you can go back in the the podcast archives or you can look back on our YouTube channel. We really went through the entire schedule, but like it's, it's tough to to start out. Like the first couple of months of the season are are going to be tough. And if the magic can hover around 500 and make it through, you know, the month of January and like, if you're around 500 going into the all-star break, that's going to be a massive deal for this team. Just given like start the season again at home, October 25th versus the Houston Rockets. Then right after that, you're gone basically for a week, a week long road trip at Portland, which should now you'll probably be a win. Now that Dame is being traded and drew holiday. It seems like is going to be traded as well. Um, Then you're at the Lakers at the Clippers at Utah. And then you come back home for Los Angeles. You're home for a few games. And then you're on the road, four-game road trip. Uh, you know, you're know you playing at Brooklyn, at Chicago, at Chicago. Two of those at Brooklyn and then at Chicago on uh, Friday, November 17th, being in-season tournament games. You have one more game on the road versus Indiana. And then you come home November 21st at home versus the Raptors. That's going to be an in-season tournament game. Well, you follow that up. You got a back-to-back against the Denver Nuggets. And then Friday, November 24th, you're at home Black Friday against the Boston Celtics for your final in season tournament game. And in the last, you know, week of November and you know the first few weeks of of you know December, it's pretty tough. But then we get to this stretch, December 29th through January twenty ninth. Luke, I'm I'm just gonna go through this one more time because it really is just a, a crazy, crazy brutal stretch. I mean, even if you if we we go back a little bit further, like starting Monday, December 11th. So uh, basically a month and a half here. There's one game where you get a break really. And it's against Washington. But you're uh, home for Cleveland, at Boston, at Boston, home for Miami, at Milwaukee, at Indiana, at Washington, home for Philadelphia, home for the Knicks, at the Suns, at the Warriors, at the Kings, at the Nuggets, at home for the Hawks, at home for the Minnesota Timberwolves, at Miami, at OKC, at New York. At Atlanta, home for Philadelphia, home for Miami, home for Cleveland, at Memphis, home for Phoenix, and then at Dallas. You've got like, what is that? A five, six game streak or five, six week streak where you're playing a, a playoff team almost every night, except for like Indiana and Washington. Like, it doesn't get any tougher than that. If the Magic can get through that stretch and they get to the all-star break, within you know, four or five games of 500, that's going to be a massive deal, and that sets you up to be really successful the last couple months of the season heading into the playoffs.
2: There's some key games there that are at home. I know you mentioned the Hawks. You mentioned the Knicks at home. The Magic had success at home last year, despite... The terrible record to start the year. You you finish the year 20 and 21 at home. You get to start off on the right foot at the beginning of the season, right? The home opener, as we all know. And you also get to rectify your performance on the road last year. Fourteen and twenty-seven compared to twenty and twenty-one. Home court advantage was real for the Magic last year. And I just think that they've got to really assert dominance. When you go and play at Portland and at both LAs to start the season, you have a chance to be one and zero to start the year. That's a big confidence boost. It's a young group; they need all the confidence they can get. I think they are already very confident. We know that, but it's a different thing to result, like see the results and in the production. So you win that home opener. You're going to Portland without Dame, like you said, without likely Drew Holiday. Like you could really be—is that the second road game or the second game of the year, Jonathan?
0: At At Portland. Portland game
2: yeah so you could st- realistically start the season 2-0 which does a lot for the confidence and for just gelling and continuity and being in a groove you could go to the LA's and we know guys like Markel Fultz loves to play in LA and these other guys are going to get up for it Palo's going to get up for that obviously Franz is always getting up for it because he's Mr. Consistent Iron Man like this season could start incredibly and like you said these these first couple months like you this is the the foundation that you're building for the future and you just have to get on a tear to start this season or else you look at that December 11th through January stretch it could all go down the drain you have to capitalize with your and build those wins early in the season so that when you get to the point where it is super hard you've already established your dominance on the road you've established your your comfortability at home picking up where you left off last year near the end of the year at home. There's a lot of really good things that this team has the opportunity to do. And I hope they capitalize on every single opportunity being young and hungry. This team is going to make a lot of noise this year. You can see even by Vegas, Vegas doesn't even believe in them, which is saying something. Vegas is usually on top of it. But for the past couple of years, Vegas has not been on top of it when it comes to the magic and how they, they don't have a pulse on them, which is crazy to me. Because if you just sit down and analyze this team and last season and what went wrong, what went right, it is just very much not outlandish to say they could win this division. I think they've got more going than, than the Hawks do. The Hawks who lose John Collins. That's a huge piece that they thought was going to be the future and now he's not there anymore. And you're really putting the whole load on Trey Young and, and DeJounte. I just don't know that they can even do it. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, nobody really has a pulse on this team. And I'm very interested to see 10, 15 games into the season has the tune change about the Orlando Magic. We'll see. You know that there's always those people that are, you know, you're seeing screenshots at the beginning of the season. Ooh, look at these teams in the top. Most of the time it ends up meaning nothing, right? You got guys like the Jazz, the teams like the Jazz, but they still put the league on notice. Jazz started out hot, ended not so much, Right? We saw it with the Cavs a couple years ago. They started out super hot, and then they came down. Um, the Kings, they start hot. They stay hot, right? They go on, and they beat the Warriors. Like, that was incredible. So all, these, these things always happen, and you always can get a gauge on at the beginning of the season. What are the weaknesses, but what are the strengths this team is going to put on a show? Yeah, I don't want this to sound like
1: a cop-out, but once we get past six... You know, maybe it's our our bias that's like, yeah, we're just going to put the Magic, you know, at, at six above, you know, Brooklyn, Especially Atlanta, that. Miami, Chicago, okay. Toronto, Indiana, but like beyond that, because I I really like do believe that the Magic should, on paper, all things considered, again, if things they don't even have to go completely right for the Magic, if they just go mostly right for the Magic, they should meet these expectations that we're talking about. You know, like Brooklyn was the sixth seed last year with forty five wins beneath them Miami, you know, they ended up in the playing game. So they ended up eight, but like you're telling me the magic can't be the six seed this year with, you know, 45, 44, 43 wins. Absolutely possible. But when we get past the magic, like, yeah, I think there's a good case for a lot of these teams. Like all of these teams, I think have a case to end up six through 10, 11 in the Eastern conference. When you look at the the uh, Miami Heat, obviously they still have Jimmy Butler, you know Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero. You know he's healthy. Nikola Jovic, by all accounts, he's supposed to to, to take a leap this year. Um, the Chicago Bulls still have Demar, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. I think there's the potential there because we've already heard sort of the rhetoric from Vuce that you know they kind of realize that if they don't accomplish good things this year, it could really be their last hurrah as a group and if the chicago bulls get off to a rough start they might just pull the trigger and blow it up or you know just get discouraged and and really underperform in in this coming year atlanta is the one that's interesting to me like you mentioned you know moving off of john collins but they've got some you know younger guys you know like sadiq bay Onyeko Okongwu, still trey young you know i think he's become a little bit underrated at this point Dejounte Murray, and then they have guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich, Andre Hunter, uh, DeAndre Hunter. Sorry, uh, AJ Griffin. Guys that are are going to be asked to have bigger roles and sort of step into those. And I'm excited to see sort of how those guys respond. Like you know, AJ Griffin had a great year last year. DeAndre Hunter, it seems like he's always sort of wanted a bigger role. Um, now that John Collins isn't there, and he was such a, he was basically like the third option for them offensively. That's going to open up some other opportunities for other guys just sort of up and down their roster. Another guy, you know, Kobe Bufkin, a lot of, you know, that people, uh, a guy that a lot of people like you know, coming out of Michigan this year. So I think Atlanta's got a case. You know, Toronto's got a case. Like Pascal Siakam, you know, adding Grady Dick, still have Jakob Pertl, adding Dennis Schroeder, uh, Scotty Barnes. Is he able to 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 sort of regain his rookie of the year form and get back on the trajectory that a lot of people you know, had uh, expected from him. Still have OG and, and Gary Trent Jr. Still a lot of talent on that roster. Just sort of get, now that guys like Fred VanVleet have moved on, you know, what's the the hierarchy going to look like and can they figure out a way to make things work a little bit better? And then Indiana, you know, adding Bruce Brown. We expect Buddy Heald to be moved before the start of the season. So what does that look like? Year two of a guy like Andrew Nemhard, who had a really good you know, rookie season. Aaron Neesmith is a guy that some people expect to to take a, a big uh step forward. Another year at a Benedict Mathrin and, and Tyrese Halliburton. Now they've added Obi Toppin. Like there are so many interesting teams that it you could like we run the 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 uh the draft lottery, like the tankathon, like the simulator every year. Hopefully not this year. And it's like you just see a, a different mix of teams every time. If you take six through 11 in the Eastern conference and you just start rolling out different combinations, I, I, I do think like there's, you could tell me any outcome happens with those, what six teams there. And I could talk myself into it. Probably. If yeah. the magic fi- like finish 11th and they're outside of the play-in, that just tells me that we weren't healthy, but outside right. of that, the Magic should find themselves like squarely in the playoff picture, not like scratching and clawing the last few games to make the play-in.
2: I think when you look at it, I mean, just to give you an idea as well, like my kind of prediction, can I just really quickly round out the rest of, of my standings Please do here? because I, just, I really cannot decide on the, the rest of the yeah. standings here. So, I mean, even as we're talking, I'm mixing and matching and whatever because like you said, it is a very much a toss-up. I've got the Magic at 6, the Heat at 7, 8, the Bulls, 9, Pacers, adding Toppin, Bruce Brown, Jairus Walker, those guys you named earlier, 10, I've got the Hawks. I've got them toppling down a little bit just because of their injury luck. They had such incredible injury luck last year. There's just no way that it's the same again. I'm going to Hawks at 10, Raptors at 11, no Fred VanVleet. Obviously, you add a guy like Grady Dick to the mix there in, in Toronto. The Wizards, 12, they add Pool. They also had great injury luck last year, like really great. So I'm putting them at, at 12. The Nets. Got the Nets below
1: the Wizards. That's interesting.
2: The Bridges, even with Bridges after the trade and everything, they were under 500. Under 500 with Bridges, small sample size, 12 and 15 with Bridges. But I just don't know that they're going to be able to put it together. 14. I do pistons, think.
1: And not mm-hmm. to interrupt you, but I I didn't mention the, the Nets. I do think once teams get some more tape on Bridges, you know, we we yeah. saw some pretty big scoring outbursts like right after the trade. Once teams get more film on him being the number one option and they'll know what to take away, I, I don't think we're gonna see Bridges be anywhere near
2: the numbers that he had like post trade deadline last year. Listen, man, the Nets were weird last year. You had Cam Thomas. Just dropping forty bombs consecutive games because there was no one else to turn to, but nobody could stop him. Like he still was great in those games offensively. But I I don't know. But yeah, with the Nets, I would not be shocked if people figure them out. They finish this thirteenth, right? They they dropped. They were very fortunate to not be in the play in last year. I think if they go play in, there's a great chance that they're be the eighth seed or they're out of the postseason. And they don't get to see the playoffs at all. So I've got the Nets third. Pistons 14th. The Hornets are just a train wreck. I've got them 15th. As much as I think that LaMelo Ball is a lot of fun, that team's just too immature. Can you imagine having to deal with like magic players doing stuff like like they're dealing with right now? Yeah, Kai you Jones. I think Steve Clifford just, regrets stepping down as magic head coach. Yeah, because he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. And now I've projected now he's you like, to. I projected now you to he's finish. like part of
1: one of the worst rebuilds in nba history
2: with what they've got going on there the last several months yeah i've got you nine spots lower than the team that you left because you don't want to be part of a rebuild yeah probably not a great look there stevie but love you love what you did for us love the fact that you took us to the playoffs that's for sure forever indebted because it might have been pretty dark that year uh without you but yeah, I. Uh, well, if he could go back and be like, you know what, I'll just deal with two crappy
1: years, and then to be where the magic are now, I think he, I think he probably like rethinks that.
2: I don't know if the chemistry. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. If oh, definitely not close to the same. No, I don't. Know if I the would. Magic I would agree with that. Have the success that they've had, even in, in the short. No, time I'm, with I'm not saying it would
1: have worked out for us any better at all. I, I'm just like, if I'm him, and I'm like. You know what? If I just would have stuck it out a couple of years, like look at look at what they did with this roster. Yeah, I just don't think it would
2: have taken them a couple of years though. I think it would have taken more. I think you. I think it wouldn't have been that cut and dried.
1: Maybe, maybe if you just sits back and let the front office do what they uh, you know planned on doing. You know, they still draft Franz, still draft Jalen, still draft Paolo. Probably in. Still you're still in much better shape than there they are in Charlotte right now with the No oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. Miles Bridges and, and and Kai Jones and Lamello with his, you know, injury history and now that I've been seeing stuff like this dude loves to run red lights, like just comes out of Hornets games flying yeah. in his sports car running red lights. Like at some point that's that's not gonna end up well. I, I think in the next, you know, twelve months would not be surprised at all to see a LaMelo ball trade request out of Charlotte. I also think it's
2: just crazy. Like they, and they took Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. What are we doing? That's what I was also going to say, and, and listen, maybe the Brandon Miller stuff, maybe he is completely clean of anything. Right. But it is still hilarious to look at and be like, this team's a train wreck. Oh, by the way, they take Brandon Miller who was involved in like a, a whole gun thing in college. Like it, the decisions just haven't been awesome. Just to not even mention that Brandon Miller wasn't the better talent. I don't think. There's a whole lot of time to tell, but we we'll, I don't know how that's going to pan out in Charlotte. I, I think that they got to they got to do a lot of mixing and matching in the front office, players from top to bottom. They got to they got to start over. I think the super interesting thing about the East, and this is,
1: I think. One of the last things that we'll talk about in regards to this is like, I think outside of Washington, like who is going to be tanking this season? Like, as you get later into the season, maybe priorities change for a team like Charlotte or, or maybe for Detroit. But like to start the season, I, I really think everybody's going to be going for it.
2: Yeah, there's no Wemby.
1: No I don't even know more. that it's, it's necessarily that I just I feel like a lot of these teams are just in positions where for for some teams it's like hey it's it's put up or shut up time like we need to win or we're going to break up this team or it's teams you know like like the Pacers and, and like the Magic and like the Hawks who have sort of been like waiting to like the Hawks you know they have the great run a couple of years ago but obviously the roster is is a bit different than it was then like they're like okay we need to take another step up. You know, if if we're looking at this core with with Trey and with Dejounte, like they should be an improved team this year if they're on the trajectory that they want to be on. Charlotte, you, you got to do something to if, if you're going to keep Lamelo if if he's not going to you know make a a trade request in the the next you know year or so. And then you know Detroit, they're probably tired of losing too. I would assume, but you know, 17 wins last year, but. You didn't have Cade for most of the year, so they probably would have been a bit better without him. They're probably still looking at another, you know, lottery pick next year. But for the most part, I think everybody in the the East is 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 really gonna be going for it.
2: They gotta yeah, like you said, they've gotta go for it. And you just look at like in terms of which teams, if it goes bad, could it go really, really bad to where they, they blow it up easily, the Bulls, the Hawks. The Raptors, who are kind of already there now, they don't have Fred VanVleet. Yeah, with
1: like the OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. Gary Trent Jr. kind of
2: stuff. Yeah, um, the Wizards, I, they add Pool and like what well, I don't know Still what have their Kuzma. direction. Yeah, so that they can have they can move pieces if need be. The Nets, if things just go super south with them, like I if I if they do end thirteenth in the East. Are they looking to either add to Bridges or are they looking to move Bridges to try to get, you know, somebody better, but I had, or just like more assets? And then the Hornets. Bridges' contract is Campbell. still
1: so good, though, like 21 this year, 23 next year, 25 the following year. Like, is he going to average, you know, the 26 points per game that he was with the Nets when he when he came over? I really don't see that. But is he going to score, you know, 21, 22 points a game? maybe? Probably, but if Mikael Bridges is your number one option, you know you're not a playoff team, right? Luke, the last thing that I want to talk about, and I, I guess maybe we could have covered this towards the top, but right before we started recording, uh, Kevin O'Connor, you know, a guy that that we're fans of over at the Ringer, he tweeted out that the Magic should make the trade for Drew Holiday, and the I'll read the 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 whole tweet out here. Pull this back up here. The magic should go after drew holiday upgrade at point guard. fits the multiple ball handler offense, a needed veteran, plenty of ways to assemble a deal that makes sense for the blazers too. So the blazers at this point are, are really going to be looking for big contracts that they can move off of and open up cap space, young players and picks. I'm not saying, no, I, I am saying that I, I I would do this if the opportunity you know arises. So Drew Holiday is, I believe, 34 years old now and makes pretty close to $40 million this year and next year. And then he's a free agent. So we're talking about a guy that you would have for two years. Um, looking at Fanspo on the trade machine, a deal that I think makes sense for both teams if they were really looking to make this deal, which I don't think the magic necessarily are. Would I be shocked if they pull the trigger on this? No, but I do think the magic are, are still pretty content. Just evaluating this final year before going in on a big deal like this, you, but the you trade would be, be for Drew Holiday. Did this? I wouldn't be shocked if the magic did this because I, I do okay. think it makes sense. It would be Drew Holiday for Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris, and Cole Anthony. Jonathan Isaac, the seventeen point four million dollars. If the Magic just don't believe he's going to be healthy, the Blazers take that on for this year, and then he's non guaranteed next year, so they get off of the seventeen point six or seventeen point four million dollars. Gary Harris is an expiring contract this year, and then Cole Anthony, you no. Know, you trade Cole Anthony and and Gary Harris. You bring in Drew Holiday. That opens up more minutes for Anthony Black, a guy the Magic just invested a high draft pick in. Cole Anthony, although they do have a lot of young guards over there, so maybe that part doesn't make a ton of sense for Portland. Uh, but if they you know want to you know, take Cole and maybe flip him to another team, I don't know. But that team you know could then um, I I think the start of the season is the deadline we talked about this on the last episode the deadline for him to sign an extension so maybe they can get something done before the end of the year but if it's not you know Cole Anthony like Cole Anthony is a guy who at that price point I thought would you know give value to them like you could include a guy like Chuma OKK in that deal or maybe it's like Goga and Caleb Houston get included in that deal I don't know at that point you're just trying to make the money up But if they're going to bring Drew Holiday in, start him next to, you know, Markel Fultz. Talked about Jalen being in that role, like being a lockdown defender. I, I don't hate a starting lineup of Markel Fultz, Drew Holiday, Franz Varner, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter Jr. It's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But it's just for two years. Unless you were really planning on making the big splash this summer in free agency and you're like, no we want to keep the, the money that we have for this off season specifically, then you hold off on it. But if you weren't totally sold on making a big move this coming off season, like you're looking at the free agent market, you're know, like, Oh, we don't really love that. And you're good with keeping drew holiday for another year. Or if they just say, we're just going to wait for the next guy to become available. Drew holiday. Isn't the guy for us. Like, I don't think there's a, an outcome. In those discussions, that if the Magic's front office makes a decision, that I wouldn't go. Okay, I I, I get that. Not doing it makes sense. Doing it kind of makes sense. How do you feel? So your
2: final, Your package was was which three
1: players? It would be JI, Gary Harrison, Cole Anthony. And I'm I'm not okay. saying that I make that deal, but if there is a deal to be made, I think it looks something like that.
2: So the deal that I did on my end. Was Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okk, you're not gonna like this one, and uh, Markel Fultz. It's a straight one to one point guard. Like that, that's really what you're doing. Ji, who hasn't been healthy, Chuma, who's been basically played out of rotation. It's essentially at that point. Drew Holiday, Markel Fultz, and that's it. Makes money works. And Drew Holiday is a, I mean, lack. Like, if you look at in terms of last year. 7.4 assists per game. The Magic haven't had a guy like that in a long time. We talk about it all the time. The Magic can't even get a guy to average over six a game. Drew Holiday comes in, fills the need. You still get to see what Jalen Suggs has when it comes to the two-spot. I don't hate Gary Harris going in that deal at all. But in terms of making the money work, I... I it you know it works in your situation as well, but Markel faults. It's a one to one. Yeah, Markel
1: upgrade. doesn't make a ton of sense for the Trailblazers. I mean, I guess like from like they wouldn't just let a an asset like that walk. That that just would be poor asset management. You know, a guy that's extension eligible, that's you know, proven that he can be a, a starting point guard in the league. Maybe they just like turn around and and try to flip him. But that was sort of the same thinking with Cole just because of the the sheer amount of guards that they have there now with, with Scoot and, you know, Anthony Simons. And um, I know there's another guy there that I I'm, I I'm forgetting right now. Shaden Shaden, Shaden Sharp. Thank you very much. So, so yeah, like either of the guards don't make a ton of sense for them, but if they're just like, you know, they, they just flip Dame for drew and now they're going to flip drew for somebody else. And then they could like, why stop there? You could bring somebody else in and, and just sort of keep flipping until, You have a return you know that you're happy with that one that one would i mean all of these like the the j.i gary harris cole anthony trade like that would hurt like hell to me if we enter the season with the roster that we have now that means they're just looking to develop and and evaluate one more year and then they start to make big moves if they make the big move now like they they are just all in on Franz and Paolo making big leaps this year and really being able to make noise in the east and starting to attract eyes from players around the league. That's sort of where I'm at like we're we're at we're two different paths now, and whichever path we walk down, and depending on what the roster looks like you know october twenty fifth is gonna tell us everything we need to know, like even if we've always asked the front office to come out and just say things. But that would be one of those things like we don't have to really guess what they're thinking now.
2: Yeah, I just think that as far as the Markel thing, going back to that real quick, like Dame was their point guard, right? You had Anthony Simons in his 62 starts. Like he's playing, you know, off ball there, four assists per game. Scoot's going to start. And then, yeah, so Scoot obviously slides in there, but I just think that. If if you're like you said, if you're just trying to unload and just see what you can get, play that merry-go-round, or if if you just have Markel being the backup point guard solely on that team, I think that's because long term, I would love for Markel Fultz to be a championship point guard on this team. There would be nothing that I would enjoy more a guy that circle a story comes full circle. But at the end of the day he could also be a backup point guard on a really good team when it's all said and done. So I don't know. I, I would love to think that I, you know, I definitely have not given up on Markel Falls. I think he's going to be great for the magic this year, but it's interesting to think about the Blazers could use him in that role just behind scoot. I don't know. I
1: think his, his impact on winning, like take the counting stats away, just like his impact on winning. Of course we've talked about it a million times with a ton of different guests. It's so apparent like Mark Hill Fultz is a starter in the NBA. Like, there's not a question in my mind. Like it would it would be crazy for me to see him get traded to another team to be a, a backup, especially behind like a young guard. That would that would be really crazy. Ultimately, I think the magic stamp stamp hat and and don't course, do anything. Yeah. Go into the season with the roster that they have. Do what they've been talking about since the end of last season. Sure, we need to improve, but we're still evaluating. And this is going to be the last year of evaluating. And then It happens every summer. Last summer, it was Donovan Mitchell. This summer, it was Damian Lillard. Every other week, it's Kyrie Irving. Somebody gets disgruntled, becomes available. It will happen. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. And the Magic, you know, is Drew Holiday the one that they want to cash their chips in? I don't know. There could be way worse moves you know, that the Magic could make other than some of these deals that we've talked about. And Luke, you said something funny to me before we started to record as we were talking a little bit about Drew Holiday. You're like, oh, well, you know, they probably want to move him to a contender. If I'm Portland and I just dealt with the the saga that was Damian Lillard and demanding where he wanted to go and everyone in the world was telling me that I should accept a crappy offer just to move a guy where he wanted to go. And now I've got Drew Holiday. The dude is making $40 million, you know, like essentially the next couple of years. Oh, well, each year over the course the next couple of years i'm moving that dude for the the best you know offer that i i get at this point dude has a title i know you know these guys get to the end of their career they still want to compete sometimes bro you just got to realize you're making 40 m's and you you might just be able to go to a a, you know middling playoff team and make a lot of money and and play for a, a decent team maybe not a contender but but we'll I see bet he gets portland doesn't know drew holiday anything
2: i i hear you but i bet he i bet he gets his way he has too good of a reputation around the league in my opinion to just be sent to somewhere to waste away for the rest of his career like i'm yes, not saying to a of of
1: washington or detroit like uh what was it tyrese Halliburton on his stream you know was, was joking about buddy Heald calling him like, I-, I can't believe they sent me to orlando like guess what bro Orlando is one of the the best up and coming destinations in the league right now. You could do much worse. If Drew Holiday gets sent to Orlando, I'm not going to feel bad for him at all. It's it's a good situation to be in right now. But you you might end up being right. They might he might say, Hey, this is where I want to go, and that might be where he ends up. But if I'm the GM of the Trailblazers, I'm like, bro, I'm tired of these guys telling me where they want to go. I'm just trying to make a deal. You know what I mean? Like, brother, we just dealt with this for three months. We don't want to do this again, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, Luke. This is our lab, last episode until Media Day, man. I am I'm excited. Now that I, you know, got the chance to experience Media Day last year. I know you've been there for a media day before. I really didn't know what to expect. I'm I'm excited to see like how much better our coverage is for this media day now that I'm not just gonna be like the shaking nervous <laughs> kid
2: like you know sitting there that doesn't have any idea what's going on yeah that'll be a lot of fun be good to see everybody again too and uh get this season going
1: let's do it all right that's going to do it for this episode we'll wrap it up here for luke sylvia this has been jonathan osborne you all have been listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time see you thanks for listening to the sixth man show Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoy the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Let's go!